welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. And I'm Kristen Chase, and we are the founders of CoolMomPicks.com. Today, we are talking with Dr. Janice Johnson-Dias, author of the new book, Parent Like It Matters, and mother to Marley Dias. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week, and we'll be right here talking with our awesome guest right after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by the 2021 3M Young Scientist Challenge. It's such a prestigious competition, you may have heard of it. But what you may not know is that it does not require creating an entire chemistry lab in your kitchen. It's about ideas. Let's just say if you have a middle schooler who's a great problem solver, they could win $25,000. Entering is really easy. It just takes a one to two minute video describing a unique solution to an everyday problem. The grand prize, $25,000, and the top 10 finalists also participate in an exclusive summer mentorship with a 3M scientist. You just have to enter by April 27th, 2021. For more info, there's a step-by-step guide at their website, youngscientistlab.com. You'll find helpful thought starters, video tips, and a great FAQ, plus lots of STEM resources and activities so you and your middle schooler can get started. In fact, it's a great resource for parents, teachers, and homeschoolers no matter what. It's also exciting to see what past winners have done on the site, from giving TED Talks as teens to going to the White House to meet President Obama. So visit youngscientistlab.com, that's youngscientistlab.com, to learn everything about entering your middle schooler into the competition. And be sure to do it by April 27, 2021. We wouldn't be surprised at all if there was a spawned listener's kid in the finals. So first, let's tell you a little bit more about our amazing guest. So some of you may know Dr. Janice Johnson-Dias as the mom of the incredible Marley Dias, the teen founder of the 1000 Black Girl Books Initiative and author of Marley Dias Gets It Done and So Can You, which we've discussed right on this show. Yes. But as with all moms, Janice is accomplished in her own right. She was born in Jamaica, moved to the U.S. at age 12, received her Ph.D. in sociology from Temple University, where my parents went for undergrad. Yes. Yay, Philly! Woohoo! Yay, Philly. <laughs> and she's currently an associate professor of sociology at John Jay College in New York City, where I am. So she's like following me around. I know. <laughs> it's like we're all in the family. She's the co founder and president of the public health and social action organization Grassroots Community Foundation and its Super Camp for Girls. Her collaborative work on black girls' mental, sexual, and physical health issues earned her a special congressional recognition and grants from the Robert Wood Johnson and Annie E. Casey Foundation. And her work on the effects of safety on girls' physical activity in low-income neighborhoods led her to serve as advisor to the city of Newark, where she's focused on violence as a public health issue. So she's really someone who's dedicated her life to nurturing and challenging girls to become changemakers. And you know what? It's no surprise. Is it a surprise? It is not to us or probably to anyone that she is the author of an amazing new book. It's called Parent Like It Matters, How to Raise Joyful, Changemaking Girls which is described as an accessible blueprint to embolden our daughters to be critical thinkers, fearless doers, and joyful change agents for our future. We have many daughters between us, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. (laughs) Welcome, Janice. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So excited. We're so glad to have you. I mean, obviously, I've been a fan of your daughters for a while, and there's something that's kind of cool that happens when you start being the mom of so-and-so 
so-and-so, right? Yes. Like that happens to all of us where, you know, you walk into preschool and you like, I'm just Thalia's mom. Like people have me in their address books as Thalia's mom. But like when your daughter blows up like yours, like you really become known as Marley's mom, but you're doing so much on your own. Yes. I think of myself as like M period, O period, M period, mother of Marley. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Well, you know what? I'm so excited that you wrote this book. I have just been taking it in for the last couple of weeks now. It's a quick read. It's been so helpful already. I have three girls in my house. And you know what? Your daughter is doing so many amazing things. She's made such a huge impact on this world. And so you are someone I am going to be listening to about this topic in particular. I'm curious, what expectations did you set for yourself as a parent when Marley was little? You know, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm the queen of lowered expectations like SNL and, and Jack Handy. My real thought was I just really want a kid, particularly my kid, to know everything that I know. Because if she knows what I know and she knows what her dad knows, then she's in a better position. Like it took us a long time, 35 years to know the stuff we know. And we've just made gross and horrible mistakes, but we've done a few things right here or there. And if we could spare her some of the craziness that we did, that would be really good. And if we could equip her with some of the skills that we had, that would also be really good. So, you know, I'm like, she's a kid. She's going to screw up a lot of things. I'm a mom. I'm going to screw up a lot of things. But if she can kind of get the long arc story going and be competent, then I think we'll be all right. So I just kind of did what most parents do, even though they don't say it. It's just like, I guessed. I read. I tried. I failed. I guessed again. I read. I tried. I failed. (laughs) (laughs) And then I kept doing that over and over again. I love your honesty on that. I think that's really helpful because I think a lot of us see successful teens like your daughter Mm -hmm. and think, oh my gosh, she's perfect. She was raised by the perfect mother. She did everything right. (laughs) And you don't necessarily do everything right. And we have to have those mistakes to learn from as well. Mm -hmm. And also we have to lower our expectations that we could actually do anything particularly right. I used to say that if I ever wrote a book, even though I've now written this book, that I would call one for the couch because I was just like, so that one's going to stay with her for a long time. Like whenever I'm (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like this will be brought up in therapy at one point or another. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, oh, so even when I went back to apologize for some action that I did, I was like, that one's going to stick with her. Some therapist will hear this story in some future. And, you know, it's just like what it is because she's growing up in a different time in a different context. So the best I can do is kind of guide her because I have no idea what it's like to be her. Mm. She has a much better life than I did. But she also has some screwy things that I didn't have. So, you know, to the extent that I always tell parents, like the best you can do is just give them what you got and use your experience to kind of help them guide. Because, you know, you're going to make a mess. Just clean it up quickly. I I love love that. that. I I, I, both Liz and I, we were like same brain. I mean, for me, this idea of guiding is so important. But I also love that you're like, you know what? We're going to mess up. Just clean it up. Say you're sorry. I think so many parents, we really take things so personally. When we do something wrong, we feel like it's like the worst thing that ever happened. And I wonder how things might be different if we were just able to give ourselves some grace and compassion, right? And just say like, this is what happens. But our kids being able to see us kind of pick our own selves up and make amends and learn from it ourselves. Isn't that like part of the lesson, right? Like they're learn- they're seeing us. That is to me one of the biggest deals. So I get really, really concerned that parents want to live through their children. 
I, it's super irritating to me generally. <laughs> um, mm. And I think that that's one of the many reasons why caregivers don't apologize because the harshness is not even really towards the kid. The harshness is really towards themselves. Like they are so concerned about how their kid's action is going to reflect on them that they haven't created enough space between the child and themselves. And a part of the reason why I'm so interested in the caregivers is because I think one caregivers have themselves together and their own kind of identity, joy, connections, you know, life, then they can begin to do a better job of actually parenting because they're living as human beings. They're not just living as servants to their children mm. and trying to live out their realities through their children. Oh, that's such a good reminder. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I, th I think that's true. And we ha sometimes we have to just stop and check ourselves. So listen, let's just jump right into the book. Um, one thing I love, you know, beyond your own daughter, of course, is that you've worked around so many different kinds of girls for so long. And I'm kind of wondering about this macro perspective, what do you think differentiates those girls who become change makers? Like, is it just something they're born with? Is it something you need to impart in them? Is it about their families, their environments? Like, what do you think makes a change maker? I think a lot of it has to do with who their parents are and the environment they're in. You know, biology is not replicable. I'm a sociologist, so you know, we're super, super concerned with nurture. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, though we understand the value of nature and its relationship to nurture, but I really believe that nurture is the thing. I think the girls or the boys who become change makers are from people who watch, see their parents develop connections with the real world, that their caregivers are not just saying a thing to them, but their caregivers are actually doing a thing. And so when we look at the history of people, you end up hearing all these narratives of like, my grandmother actually did this thing. My auntie did this actual thing. So they mm. be and the behaviors actually modeled in their homes and in their home environments. And that I think is what makes a difference. And that's why I think it's really possible for us to raise children in this particular way, because we actually could, if we actually stop telling our children and really modeling for them what we want to see them do, then I think we're going to be in a different oh, place. I'm so moved by that. I actually think about Liz and her mom and her kids. Liz, I'm going to give you, I'm going to say props, which ages me like like Aww. it's like 2014, but let's pretend that props Kudos. is still cool. But, you know, you've, <laughs> you've always talked about how your mom was such a change maker and a groundbreaker. And I see you, you know, volunteering and in activism and political things. And I see your girls doing the same thing. You know, you're, you're all a family of doers. Like you are all a family of change makers. And you can look back and see from you and your mom and it makes sense. Like, I don't think I've ever really thought about it that way. But I really think that from an outsider-ish perspective, your mom was a doer and you're a doer and your girls are doers. So thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. It's true. She had us going to marches when we were teens and she had me reading Ms. Magazine and writing letters to the editor when I was like eight and nine. And yeah, it really does impact you. And I was thinking about the interview I had with Mina Harris before the election and how 
how much she talked about her aunt Kamala and her mom influencing her and what they did and how that impacted her. So I think it's a good point. I don't always connect the two, but I think you're right. I think that your parents being this kind of person, it's like what we always say, be it, don't say it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, yeah. We really are modeling it. But also model it in a way that is not boring, painful, exhausting, ugly, stupid, irritating, right? It is like, <laughs> a part of what happens is like, I know many caregivers come to me, they're like, I do all these things and my kids don't want to do it. My kids just don't want to give. They don't want to. And I was like, the way you do it is so ugly and so irritating. And it I wouldn't want to do it. You make change making look ugly, exhausting, angry, frustrating. And I'm so sorry. Like, that's just not it. It's not well, it. Well, they say the same thing about uncomfortable conversations, right? It's like if you look like you are about to drink a poisonous beverage every time you're talking no. about something uncomfortable or difficult, like your kids aren't going to want to talk to you about those things. So it makes sense that if you are engaging in those types of activities yourself and you're not enjoying them, and we're not only sending verbal messages, right, but we're sending nonverbal messages. Our kids are watching us and they're seeing the drudgery, right, or whatever we're going through, and they're saying, okay, well, I don't want to do that. And so it's it's fascinating as to how much influence we have, even without necessarily teaching our kids specific ways to be a change maker. Like they're watching all those messages from us. And to me, that is the central point. So like in the book, I know you guys read it, is like, you cannot have a joyful change making kid if you are not a mm-hmm. joyful caregiver. Like yes. it just won't happen. And in fact, if you make change making feel like drudgery, or craziness, then your child will probably grow up to be a really serious capitalist who (laughs) (laughs) will just be like, let me tell you what's the one thing I'm not going to do. I am not going to spend my life always giving to people (laughs) because that will be the fastest way to the other side. Um, Or maybe you could be a really benevolent, altruistic capitalist that gives away all your money to good deeds. Like, I think that's the best of both worlds. Become a billionaire and then die poor having like cured the world of poverty, hunger. Right? Oh my gosh. The whole process of becoming a billionaire means actually doing really unequitable things. We could have a whole oh conversation I, I about that. I love how we transition so well from this comment. But, you know, you bring up joy. And I think particularly now, like year 17 of the pandemic, right? Like, here we are. You We're going to talk you're... about this like dog years. We're going to be know. like, it was like 20 months in pandemic years. I know. This one week. I, that's so funny. But it's so true, right? But you, you talk a lot about committing to joy and more laughter. You're not talking about the kids. You're talking about the grownups, right? Which I yes. think right now is really, really hard. So. What are some ways, like, what are some ways that you are finding joy right now? What are some things that you would tell other parents that we can find joy in so that we can pass that down to our kids, you know, anytime, right? Pandemic aside, but also right now when it is feeling tough. So I really separate joy from happiness. So I know that oftentimes when people are thinking about joy, they're thinking about it as happiness. And I see happiness as mostly temporary, kind of performative, where it's just like, how are you doing today? 
I'm fine, I'm happy. And you kind of smile and go mm. about your business. And I think of joy as something else. I think of joy as kind of a way of thinking about life and the way of going about life. So like joyful people can be really pissed off. They can be angry, they can be frustrated. And I really want caregivers to kind of attend to that kind of internal piece so that yes, we have a pandemic. We're gonna have more BS come in our way. This is America after all. <laughs> and so <laughs> constantly to live your life where you're, you know, every time something happens, you're just kind of like, you know, you're swayed. You're, that means that you're just not planted. Mm -hmm. You don't have a base. Mm -hmm. And joy is kind of like foundational. It grounds you in a way that happiness just doesn't do it. Happiness will come and go, but joy should be the place that grounds you. And I think that there are a couple of ways that caregivers really need to attend to joy. In the book and everywhere I talk about like, really, you have to develop this really keen relationship with yourself. Like, who the hell are you, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Like, other than mom, dad, right? Like, what and who are you? What are the things that you really value? You got to get into that. You got to have your own sense of identity. For me, that meant going through a bunch of pain, really getting to know like the shit that just really hurts me mm -hmm. and being clear that that's who I am. But you also have to know the shit that excites you. Like mm -hmm. for me, I don't like human beings in the morning. Um, I don't really enjoy them in the morning. And so one of the ways in which that I find foundation is I wake up before everybody else so that human beings can't mess up my day mm. really from the start. I really encourage caregivers, particularly moms, to kind of wake up and have the silence of themselves and decide to do something for themselves every day. People are out here calling the self-care. I mean, it could just be silence. It could be watching an episode of Charmed, whatever it is that makes you happy, mm -hmm. but it needs to be something that is about you. I also think like in this moment more than ever, especially as we've reached 500,000 people dead, we really have to get an attitude of gratefulness. Gratefulness mm. for the big things, life. Yes. But gratefulness for like small shit, like you live in a house. Like that's not everybody. Mm -hmm. That's not everybody. Gratefulness for the breath. Gratefulness for the opportunity to mess up tomorrow. Yeah. Um, How do you practice gratefulness and gratitude? Like, do you journal? Do you write things down every day? Do you, like, what do you do? So I, whenever that alarm goes off and I say, oh my God, I can't really believe I have any obligation to any human and I have to get up. Um, I stop and I actually just go through my head for the things for which I'm grateful for. And I do that before I check my ankles and my knees because, you know, now I'm 49. I rotate my ankles before I step off that bed. I'm no longer just living fly by night. Denise, you're my people. I just want to say that. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, you know, I take stock and I'm like, I'm really grateful for the idea that I, I'm up. I've woken up this morning. I'm really grateful for my family and for the fact that I paid the mortgage on time. Um, I'm really <laughs> grateful that my mom is still here mm -hmm. and so are my brothers. And I just kind of do that for about five minutes. And then I start to set my intention for the day, right? And usually my intention is not super sophisticated. My intention is like, don't cuss anybody out today. <laughs> <laughs> that's look attainable goals yeah, right? I think that's like, really important attainable goals you're like well, I, I didn't know. mess this up today I did not curse anyone out on Twitter right? and that's I me mean, I was like whatever it is that happens today just promise you're gonna hold your temper mm -hmm. all the way together mm -hmm. right because for your listeners and for everybody else so the word fuckery is like my go-to word <laughs> 
And so <laughs> I feel like every day there is some of that. And sometimes I respond reflexively to the fuckery. And sometimes I get a Zen-like response. And that is dependent on the intention I set. Yes. So um, <laughs> I do. I set my intention. Like at the end of the day, what is the feeling you want to have today, Janice? And then ankles rolled, knee checked, and then I get off the bed and I come downstairs before my husband, before the dog, before the child, so they can't screw it up for me. And then, you know, once I have minutes and so by myself, I'm like, oh, the world can wake up. The world can wake up now. And that creates a kind of internal peace. So I feel ready for whatever happens mm. next. You know, Kristen, do you remember the summer when I was, well, you know, we had daylight and I was going up on my roof yeah, every morning at like 6 a.m. And I had an hour to myself every morning overlooking Brooklyn, quiet. There was nobody up there, no kids, nobody awake, me, coffee, and my phone. And it was such a amazing part of my day. Like it gave me so much energy and positivity, you know, during a crazy summer. And I really missed that because, you know, now there's snow and ice on my roof and it's dark until 7am. But, you know, you pointing that out, I, I had not put it into those words, actually. Mm -hmm. But I think it was like giving myself me time yeah. before all the everybody else time that I really needed. And I, I think I need to get back to that again. I, I also am a joyous person who also can be pissed off and, <laughs> and angry. <laughs> but I'm generally pretty joyous. <laughs> like that's the first part of joy. The second part of joy is really about change making, right? So the very act of doing something to make the world a better place combined with creating something for yourself that gives to you, I together are what I see as real discipline and active ways of creating joy. Mm -hmm. Because each day I do something, not just to care for my family, but to care for the greater community in the world, then I don't feel so self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. feel connected to the world, connected to my neighbors, connected to my community. And it's the active part Plus this feeding yourself part that together creates a baseline for me. Because when you're not connected to people, when you're not doing something, it's very hard to be joyous, right? Because you're just kind of an islandy kind of person. And I, I really think connection enhances who we are and connection is what builds equity mm -hmm. in the world. And so it is... Give to yourself so that when you give to the world, you don't feel like they're just stealing shit from you all the time. And you don't feel angry about doing justice work. You feel like I can excitedly go and do this labor mm -hmm. because I already have given to myself. And moms know this best of all. Mm -hmm. I feel like moms are always primed because, you know, we end up having this poltergeist in our belly, the poltergeist <laughs> comes out and, and then they want and they want and they want. And at some point, all moms feel like, really though? Like, I really need you to stop calling me, talking to me, demanding of me, even when you can't speak. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And that becomes really frustrating. And for many caregivers, they end up, particularly moms, end up having burnout because it's a process of always giving out and not having anything right, in. Right, right. And we're able to do it maybe for a summer or a month. I am asking caregivers, particularly moms, to do this 
every day in every way. Mm -hmm. Joy is sustainable if we organize ourselves to make it possible to give to ourselves, give out to the world, not just the people under our roof, and try to enhance connection to the world. Well, we've been taught for so very long that that sort of behavior is selfish, right? And I feel like this idea of taking time, and I am a perfect example, right? This idea of like taking time for myself and, you know, saying, no, I'm sorry, I you know, this is my time. I'm watching Aussie Gold <laughs> on Netflix. Please leave me alone. Thank you very much. I'm going to watch fake reality television and I'm going to love it and you will not disturb me. But I feel like in a way, the pandemic has really forced me and I know a lot of people to take a hard look, take a really, really hard look at how we are caring for ourselves so that we can be not just functional caregivers, that we can be inspiring, supportive caregivers to our kids, right, and guide them on their own journey of self-care and inspiration and all that kind of stuff, right? I don't want to just survive in my life, and I don't want my kids to just survive in their lives, right? Like, I, I want them to be a catalyst for change as much as I want to be. I totally think that that's so important. What I'm asking caregivers to do is to then think beyond the house, mm -hmm. right? So so set an example of showing your children that they need to care for themselves and they need to value their own worthiness. And then also show them that they need to be connected to what's happening outside of the doors of their home. Because one of the risks I think that often happens with middle class families in particular is that middle class families are really good at getting their children to focus on themselves. Focus on your schoolwork, focus on your athleticism, focus on your this, that, and the other, and run the risk of not than extending that mm, out and yes. extend it out in authentic ways, right? Like not in this uh, soup kitchen, Thanksgiving craziness way, not in the, you know, pack up all the things in your room you don't want, let's put them in a bag and drop them at the, no, not in that way. In a way that says, let us really try to find a way to develop greater connections to the world because we're in a really favorable position to be able to influence what happens in the world. I love this idea of connection. You've said it several times and I'm getting it, right? So there's this idea of, yes, absolutely, you can do those acts, which are lovely acts, right, of giving and kindness, but really kind of pushing people. Like, I like it. You're giving us a, like a harder shove, right, towards this yeah. idea of like, how do you create a connection to your community? How do you create a connection even beyond your own community. That's why this book and obviously what you've done, like what your daughter has done is so inspirational, right? It's really taking it to a whole other level and you make it so accessible. I feel like this is something that we can absolutely 100% do, right? Because I think parents are like, oh no, another thing. But it's not, it's not another thing because those connections are, that, that that's what makes us human, you know? And I think that's so important. Can we talk about our girls too now? Like as, you know, first First of all, we could talk to you forever. So just FYI, we've decided that you're our people. We're going to. When we can yes. have like safe masking <laughs> coffee in New York, I'm going over to John Jay and we're going to have like, all kinds of humanity <laughs> bashing together. I have a diner at 60th and 10th Avenue that I've gone to for 12 years. I get the same food. <laughs> I'm Perfect. on the A train as soon as you it. give the word. I love it. But you know what? We hear this talk, right, about allowing our kids to find their passions and helping them develop them. And the book 
what I love is you talk so much about what we can do, right? Like, you know, be an active listener, have empathy, like gratitude. I love that, you know, but I think right now, especially turning that into action when our resources feel limited is tricky. So what do you say about helping our kids sort of find their passions, learn about themselves and develop them, particularly right now as things are limited or even maybe they're not limited. Maybe they just feel limited. What are your thoughts on that? I definitely think that it's a feeling limited. I actually think that there's way more now Mm. than there was before because parents have this unfortunate but beautiful gift of this moment is that for the first time ever, they and their kids are in the same place. Right. And so especially for those who have more than one children, right? Like usually there's somebody negotiating all the 17 different places that they have to be. And now everybody is under the same roof. And so there's some sense of you're seeing your kids for the first time. You're seeing the things that they can do, what they like to do. You're seeing the things that, you know, cause you to be excited. And you're seeing the things that you're like, oh my God, are you really that person? It is really like a super favorable moment in many respects to actually hone in on what your kids are passionate about. And we should take advantage because Johnson & Johnson today just released their one shot. Uh, Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, today. Wow, it's early. Yes, they did. I was looking at March 1st. So we are not throwing away our shot. (laughs) Thank you. I just had to say that. Okay, (laughs) I'm good now. Thank you very much. I'll be here all day. talk about connecting passions to activism because we, we've talked about that before. We did an episode a while back about raising activist kids and I always try to remind people, people think that's like all about what they're seeing on TV. So that's necessarily social justice issues or politics and that's, I mean, that's a huge part of where my family is. But if you talk to your kids, they have a lot of passions. Like some kids are really passionate about animals. Some kids are really passionate about sports and sports injuries or Title IX and girls having equal access to the field. A lot of kids are really passionate about the earth and climate change right now. And so I I think it's really nice that we're connecting this idea of helping them discover what they're passionate about Mm -hmm. and how that can translate into being a change maker, connecting with your community and doing some greater good. And it's so central because also I get so worried about like high, strong type A parents who are like, one passion. One thing. Narrow it down. Narrow it down. It's so insane because so many of us, we have like 17 things that we're equally excited about. Mm-hmm. We have to help our kids be absolutely just ecstatic about everything. Ecstatic. They should be really high energy, interested in stuff, have a point of view about things, even if it's wrong. <laughs> and just be able to think about a lot of different things. And so much of what is happening right now really caused me concern because, you know, like we're in this moment where activism is a thing and it's a profession. Even my own daughter, she's like, people don't realize, like, I go to school. (laughs) (laughs) I have pre-calc. I have all of these things to do. You can contribute to the world without it being your job. Mm -hmm. I actually have a job, according to John Jay. And so giving and being connected to the world does not have to be drilled down, just like passions do not have to be drilled down. If there are things you care about, you can try to figure out, given who you are, where can I be a part of the solution? So, for example, I have these girls and, you know, each month we have these meetings. And last week, just the most wonderful thing happened. 
this one little girl, you know, we're asking her about, you know, what does she like to do? What does she care about? What's on her mind? And what are some of the things in the world that she wish she could change? And she's like, climate change really bothers me. And you should know inside of me, I was like, oh God, okay, all right, fine. Okay, tell me about climate change, right? <laughs> what bothers you? Because it's often these big issues. And, you know, she took some time, she thought about it, and she said, I just wish we had more snow days. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, right? You got chills, I got chills. And I said, connect those ideas for me. And she said, you know, right now we have a lot of snow, but like a Two years ago, we had 90 degrees and my mom and my grandma talk about how different it was. Usually this time of year, they would have more snow days. And I said, well, this is what I'm talking about. So you are interested in having more snow days and you're interested in climate change. They're part of the same continuum. I said, that's how you begin. I said, so when you think about snow days and you think about what you like and she loves art, you know, and music. I said, well, now the question is, given the things that you like, where can you see them come together? Hmm. Right? How can you be who you are? You are 13 years old and you're interested in trying to do something to raise a conversation about bringing back snow days. What do you think other kids have in mind? Where do you see yourself in the conversation? Those are the questions. Now, next month, I will have a sense and more detail about where she is. And maybe I'll come back and share with you all. But the idea is like, the idea is not to direct her to do something crazy outside of her scope that uses my skills. She came up with the idea about snow days. She is interested in trying to figure out as a kid, where can I insert myself? You know, can I contribute? And I just love that. That's what I ask for caregivers. That's what I'm asking for the world. Use yourself. You know who you are. You know what you like. Use that to be a part of the change. You're an accountant, do accounting stuff. That's right, um, that can make a difference. Don't think that any problem is so big that you can't have a part in the solution. I love that. Yes. Oh, I, I just love everything about that. I love that you're getting her to come to the answers herself mm -hmm. instead of giving mm -hmm. it to her. Yeah. And I think that's a good lesson for kids that they have it in them to solve the problem and that it's a good lesson for parents that our kids have it in them and we've got to give them the room to figure it out. Yes. Okay. Yes. We know people are going to want to find you. So let's just be honest about that. <laughs> so there are many ways that people can find you. You're on Facebook. You're Janice Johnson Dias. On Instagram, you're Dr. Yeah, Janice Johnson. And on Twitter, you're DR. So it's DR for Janice Johnson on Instagram and Dr. DR Janice J on Twitter. And your book, Parent Like It Matters, you can find it at Penguin Random House, any bookstore that you love to support. March 2nd. Get your hands on this book. It's a quick read too, right? It's a quick read. Yes. Yes. And that's a big deal for a person with a PhD. PhDs <laughs> usually write with funny words. Like that was my new skills. We usually have funny words. We can't talk to humans. And that was really <laughs> a part of the wonderful new skill is writing for humans. Um, writing for <laughs> humans. I love it. And just, yeah, I, I, I love everything about this. Thank you so much. And you are going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week, right? Yes, I am. Perfect. All right. Well, now it is time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And Janice, this is how it works here. We Our guests 
get to go first. So tell us what your cool pick is. I know is. you're going to have something good. Yes. I can't wait to yes. hear this. Well, I am really excited. I have rediscovered my love for thrifting because I have a 16-year-old daughter who thinks that this is the newest thing and the newest craze ever. Um, <laughs> oh my God, yes. Gen Z has LOL. discovered everything, as we know. Kids these days. <laughs> Mom, I learned about it on TikTok. <laughs> exactly. She's like, Depop, whatever that is. Or, you know, and I was like, oh, thrifting. Well, I have returned to thrifting with her. And in New Jersey, we have this wonderful thrift store near us in Union, New Jersey, called Second Ave thrift superstore and they have wonderful sales. And that is how I'm managing the pandemic by wearing all of my new thrift garb over and over and over again. I love it. That's I awesome. love it. It's so funny. I was a huge thrifter and it gives me great joy that my daughter, particularly my oldest, who also does sewing and all that kind of stuff, is a thrifter as well, right? It's like, oh, we do have something in common. I am not always annoying and weird and lame and dumb. Yay! (laughs) So she's just like, what do you know about? My daughter, like, she got all these t-shirts and, you know, that they have, like, Michael J. Fox, Back to the Future. And she was like, do you even know the show? And I was like, oh, do I know the show? I know growing pains, lady. (laughs) right (laughs) so brief moments where i am not the wackest thing ever and (laughs) where we can meet (laughs) we can meet i love it awesome well you know i have been enjoying something called mandolin.com so it's mandolin like the instrument and i've been going to concerts virtual concerts is my new thing you know aren't you cultured yes i'm so cultured you know it's funny i was a music therapist and a music professor in another life. I I don't really get to go to concerts a lot, though. Maybe it's like the single mom, four kids, they're expensive. But I have to say, the pandemic times, I've been going to a concert every weekend. Like, how cool am I? I went to the Tibet House Benefit. I saw Nickel Creek last weekend. And I have to say, what I you know, I was thinking about this. And it's, it's a very easy way to expose yourself to music, to new music, that you might not have gone to an actual concert for. The tickets range from like 20 to 25 dollars, right? And you can watch the replays later. You can share it to your TV. So it's kind of like you're watching it on the big screen. And I have found myself listening to music that I may not have ever discovered or tried to listen to in other times. I've actually exposed myself to new music and my kids think it's cool, right? It's like, oh, we're going to a concert. So anyway, mandolin.com. I know there are some other places that do it, but I've had really good luck with with that website. So that's my cool pick. What about you, Liz? Ooh, I love it. So I want to give a shout out to my new favorite Etsy shop. It's called, I, don't, I hope I'm saying it right. It could be Danny Barb, D-A-N-I-B-A-R-B-E, or it could be Barbe. I'm not sure. Danny Barb. She's a jeweler from Colorado. She was in our holiday gift guide, and she makes this raw stone jewelry that's, it's like kind of bohemian, but it's actually kind of funky. And it's raw stone jewelry, so it's like you get a little glitter without, you know, all the, like, the fancy schmanciness. Mm. <laughs> it's got, like, some roughness to it. So, yeah, in this day of, like, Zoom, and <laughs> I need, like, a little pick-me-up something, but I'm not exactly going out and buying new shoes and handbags these days. I got myself a little pair of earrings, and they've got these little kind of rough-hewn diamonds around the side, and it's not super expensive. It's, like, a, a little indulgence, not a big one, and they're wonderful. They're so beautifully made. They make me so happy. She also makes the kind of stuff where, like, 
like if you needed a really special gift for a sweet 16 or something like that, she has really cute rings. Oh, fun. Anyway, we'll link it up on our podcast page, but it's D-A-N-I-B-A-R-B-E, Danny Barb Shop on Etsy. And she was actually one of their design award winners. So, you know. Etsy has good taste in picking their own winners sometimes. (laughs) I have an actual Etsy problem. So much so that for my birthday, my friends got together and gave me Etsy gift cards. Oh, nice. Um, That's the best. That's amazing. I love that. I really, I've outdone myself really with Etsy. (laughs) It is, you know, so some people have their different Amazons. They, you know, whatever it is that they do. But Etsy is like the place that I go every single day on the Yes, I just got all brand new sheets from a shop on Etsy that I love so much that I've talked about before, Spoonflower. Oh, so right. another shout out to oh, another right. Etsy shop. I love Etsy and I thank you for supporting small yes. businesses. Just like we want to support small bookshops yes. by buying your book. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. And my first public event and public virtual, I'll still be in my house, um, is that my books will be at in Newark at their oldest Black-owned bookstore. Oh. So I'm very, very excited. It's called Source of Knowledge in Newark, New Jersey. And anyone who is coming to the New Jersey version of something I'm doing on um, March 23rd, they can get their books there from Source of Knowledge. Oh, I love That's that. fabulous. Thank you so much for that tip. We've really shifted on our site in the last year, especially to make sure we're linking to indie bookstores and reminding people that they can get stuff from local bookstores, which really need our support right now. Yes, they do. Well, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our guest, Dr. Janice Johnson-Dias, and of course, our engineer, John Bowen. If you have a moment please, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leave us a five-star review. You can also subscribe and download our episodes. And when you do all of those things, which take like barely 10 seconds, it actually helps other listeners find us. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And hey, you can also join us in our Spawned podcast community on Facebook where we chat about the show topics and pretty much anything else you'd like to talk about. We like when people just come to us with really random questions (laughs) and then we all just have a good chat about it. It's like, you know, pre-pandemic time. Yes. Hanging out with your friends only, you know, on Facebook. And hey, you don't even have to put on like makeup. You can stay in your pajamas. Yes. This is true. (laughs) And if you just can't get enough of us, don't forget, we actually have another podcast. We do. It's called OutTech Your Kids. And we answer your burning tech and digital parenting questions in 15 minutes or less. So make sure you subscribe download, listen to our episodes, leave us a review. Of course, we don't expect you to do it before you've listened. But, you know, if you're like, I need more Kristen Liz in my life, I'll tech your kids. We'll do it for you. (laughs) We are here for you. Thank you so much for listening to Spawned. This is Liz. And this is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.